If you will, uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Timothy with me, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we will be starting our reading at verse 8. 2 Timothy 2, starting at verse 8. And we read, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let us pray. Father, as we read these scriptures this evening, we see so much that you want from us to do. You want us to endure. You want us to be faithful. And that is our prayer that you help us through the power of the indwelling spirit, that we indeed stay faithful to you and endure in all things. And we do so because we know that it is you who is faithful and you will also do it. Amen. As we come to this passage this evening, Though I have spoke uh, concerning verses 8 and 9, the last time I got to speak with you, uh, back in August, uh, we concentrated on verses 8 and 9. Though we will be looking at verses 8 and 9 a little bit, we'll spend the biggest portion of our time in verses 10 through 13. And I'm framing my sermon around not statements, but questions. And the passage and the questions that I have are four. So if you want, if you're taking notes and want to jot them down, the first question we want to address, is there any reason why we should endure? Second question, what is the scope of our endurance to be? Who is the object of our endurance? And lastly, what should motivate us to endure? And as we consider that, what we want to be able to do in answering these questions, my aim is going to be that our strength to endure flows from the faithfulness of our triune God, 
That's our big picture tonight. Our strength to endure flows from the faithfulness of our triune God. Now, what endure does not mean, and I think that's important for us to address, because endure isn't a husband saying, how long do I have to endure her nagging? Or the wife Do I have to endure every time he looks at the TV and the political commentator gets on and he starts screaming at the television? Do I have to endure that? No, that is not enduring. That's putting up with. And so I'm more mindful to say, though it's not completely true, is that endurance is like training and participating in an Ironman competition. Now, if you know what an Ironman competition is, and I think Tim would probably know a little bit about that. He's done triathlons. However, the training is intense and takes months and months to prepare. And why does it? Because the first leg is a 3.2 swim. The second leg is a 112-mile bicycle ride. And if you don't think that's enough, when that is done, they get off their bikes and they run a full-blown marathon of 26.2 miles. Now, that's endurance. But yet, that even falls short of what endure in this text means. To endure, as used here in 2 Timothy 2.10, is in the present tense and was a military term used as an army holding a vital position at all cost. Every hardship, every suffering was to be endured in order to hold that position whatever the cost. And this is picture marks Paul's perseverance or endurance as a lifestyle. Bearing up under was his habitual practice as seen in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And that leads us then to our first question. Is there any reason why we should endure? Why? It's too hard. I don't want to do it. Well, I see two reasons in our text. And the first is found for us in verses 8 and 9. The first reason why we should endure is because God, our Heavenly Father, is carrying out His work of redemption by Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Notice how Paul puts it. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. That's the first one. To put it in another words, 
God is accomplishing His plan of salvation through the preaching of the gospel. And that is our first reason why we should. Because God's work is not done. And He uses us to proclaim the truth of His gospel of Christ. The second reason, and I see it in verse 13, and that is where this why we should endure is Christ's faithfulness. Even at times when we are unfaithful, He is faithful. Throughout the New Testament, we find the faithfulness of our Lord. One such reference is found in chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews, where we see that He was faithful to the Father as a son in His house. And it goes on to say, whose house we are. Christ is faithful to us, and by so He is also faithful to the Father in everything. Another is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where we read that he who called you will also, he who called you is faithful he will surely do it. What a great promise we have here. And he is and always will be faithful. And because of his faithfulness we can see that our strength to endure flows through the faithfulness of our triune God. And that leads us to our second question, which is, what is the scope of our endurance to be? Found in verse 10. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here in verse 10. I endure everything. Everything. What an all-inclusive word. Everything as used here in verse 10 means quite all. In other words, everything. And when used in the plural means all or all things. What Paul seems to be saying then is this. He is willing to, to endure everything. Whether it's physically, mentally, or emotionally for the sake of, G- of others and the sake of Jesus Christ. Let's look at that then. Physically speaking, Paul did endure tremendous suffering physically. In 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11, speaking to Timothy says, You, however, have followed my teaching my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. For a fuller look at what Paul endured physically, read, not now, but read later, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 22 23 through 27. I think that's a little bit short. But if you want a good picture of what Paul faced and endured physically, you'll get a good picture there. And also in Acts, 
chapter 16, verses 19 through 24, as well as Acts 27, his last journey um, from Israel going into Rome. But he also suffered mentally. You say, wait a minute, Sam, how, how do you suffer mentally? Well, I hope to answer that question. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight and 29, Paul puts this, he says, the care of the churches was a daily concern. If you look at the letters that Paul wrote, and the concerns that he had to address to the people who he loved so much and wanted to see them excel in their growth in Christ. Just read those and it will unfold what he had to endure mentally. But he also had to deal with misconduct within some congregations, most notably in Corinth. They were taking each other to law. They were abusing the Lord's table. One was having an affair with his father's wife, and so on. Oh, and they were misusing gifts like crazy. And he had to address that. Just like our own pastor elders have issues that they too must deal with And it's a mental strain at times. And they have to endure. But also, I believe that Paul endured emotionally. In Romans 9 and 11, we find Paul mourning over the lostness of his countrymen. We read in here in 9, chapter 9 of Romans, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul must have felt the pain in his soul when everyone in Asia forsook him, especially uh, Philip. No, I'll forget that. In Hermogenes, these two men, sorry, I, I practiced, but uh, Phygelius, maybe that's close enough. But these two men seem to have been leaders in the church. And when persecution came, and the Romans came after Paul with the vengeance, it was like, Whoa, we don't know this man. They deserted him. Can you imagine how he must have felt and yet he endured it? Or how about his his experiencing grief, great, great sorrow over Demas? Demas was a fellow worker in the ministry of the gospel with Paul. He's even noted in one of the books when Paul was sending his greetings and he says, and Demas says hello also. But what happened? Demas love for this present world and he has deserted me. And not to leave out his concern for Timothy, his dear son in the Lord, who seemingly was struggling with his faith, just as, just as you can read in chapter 1. 
Paul was admonishing him to rekindle his gift. He was having to encourage him to bear suffering and not be ashamed at the testimony of the Lord, nor of Paul. Paul's heart, even though he was in prison, must have felt great anguish over these men. And so therefore, I see that Paul suffered in everything that made up his made up who he was. You know, you and I can identify with Paul's and his sufferings as well. Now, no, we may not have been beaten like him. We may not have had to spend three days and three nights in the ocean like he did on one occasion. However, we do suffer physically. Now, we have brothers and sisters, by the way, in other parts of the world, my beloved friends, that do suffer exactly that way. Now, we are blessed here, and I'm thankful because having to endure that kind of physical punishment, even unto death, that is, that's quite the challenge. But there is physical disabilities. There is physical things that happen to us that, that are so severe at times that we can hardly move and it hinders our endurance. Have you ever been in such a state you cried out, Lord, help me, I can't take this pain anymore. That's suffering. And we endure. But we also endure mentally the concerns of this world, the concerns for family, the concerns for work, the concerns for this, the concerns for that. They at times overwhelm us. And yet, we are called to endure and keep our joy in Christ. And how about emotionally? Our loved ones whom we want to see come to Christ. The anguish that we suffer or cause suffering when we get angry with people and rail on them. And what sorrow there is to be had. So yes, I believe that the scope of our suffering is in everything. But that brings us then to question number three. Question number three is, who is the object of our endurance? And this is found for us in verse 10. Paul declares he endures everything for the sake or on account of the elect and states two things concerning them. The first is that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. And this word obtain comes from a word which means to meet up with and thus to have happened as used in Hebrews 11.35 and Acts 24. Though Paul did not know who the elect were, he knew that God, before the ages began in eternity past, had chosen them for salvation, a salvation that would come to them through the preaching of the gospel. One commentator writes, 
the fact that our finite minds cannot fully understand or reconcile such truths in no way affects their validity. God sovereignly calls every believer in His grace. He sovereignly demands their faith to be to make His demands their faith to make His gracious calling effective. And finally, He sovereignly calls those who are saved to be His witnesses to those who are not. Almost like abide and go. Remember what is written in Romans 1.16 where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So Paul was compelled to preach the gospel at all costs, no matter what. So we too should endure everything for the sake of those that we would love to see saved. Now, it really means we should be also enduring and have our object that those that the Lord has called and have chosen that they would come to salvation. And how do we do that? By proclaiming the gospel at every opportunity to those that we can. Because through the preaching of the gospel, people do come to salvation. And with that said, our strength to endure flows from the faithfulness of our triune God. Then with eternal glory that they might obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. As Peter explains in his first book, this eternal or everlasting glory is in Christ. When we first believed in Christ, we were transported effectively from darkness to light, from Adam to Christ into an immutable eternal bond of union, the new covenant in his blood. A covenant which brings us even in this present passing life into oneness, identification, and in union with Christ. In eternity future, the full glory of this indescribably precious new covenant covenant attains its full potential in Christ throughout eternity we will remain with Christ like Paul we too should want to be used of God to proclaim the gospel of Christ to the lost no matter the cost again knowing that our strength to endure flows through the faithfulness of our triune God and that brings us to our last question. And that is, what should motivate us to endure? In verses 11 through 13, our motivation then is found in this hymn or rhyme that Paul breaks out with in verses 11 through 13. And 
It would be good for me to read those again. The saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And I see that that this rhyme or this hymn, which is said to have been used and spoken or recited or sung it by the early church, I see it in three parts. The first part speaks of our union and living hope which we have in Christ and can be said this way. It is a trustworthy and true statement. Since we died with Christ, we will also live with Him. And this has reference back to Romans 6. Not only that, but it has roots in the fact that the Holy Spirit, when we came to salvation, when we were redeemed out of darkness into light, that the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ spiritually. There was an immersion that took place. An immersion that could not be undone. And that should cause us to rejoice in our souls knowing that in Christ we are secure and we will live with Him and we should be living for Him day by day, even now. But we also find that by enduring in our faith, we will also reign with Him. And it is said of us that belong to Christ, we will judge angels. We will reign and rule with Christ in some fashion when He sets up His kingdom. Can you imagine that? Wonder what we might do. I like to cook. Maybe it'll make me a cook manager. Just kidding. I don't know. But I do know this, that I'll do it perfectly because by then I will have seen him face to face and I will be like him and I know I will do it perfectly. Why? Because then that we will have that glorified body. All right. Second stand as a warning. The second one stands as a warning for us not to drift away to the point we deny him and become unfaithful. And this is much like that believer in Corinth who was having an affair with his father's wife. And what was the church doing? They were putting up with it. It wasn't a one-night fling the way that the context reads. It is something that was taking place over time. And Paul railed on the leaders of the church because they were, oh, it's okay. We just got to love him and he'll stop. No, he was being unfaithful to the Lord. And later, repenting 
and being restored to fellowship as we find in 2 Corinthians. But as a result, He will deny us. Now, not from being part of His body. You need to understand that, folks. We are part of Christ's body. We are part of His house. We are a temple to the living God. And as such, we, yes, can be unfaithful, but we will not be losing our salvation. But, denying us is what Christ will do of our full reward. When we stand before Him at His judgment seat, where all all of our works are put to the test in His judgment furnace, as seen in 2 Corinthians 5 and in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, that is where that the works as believers, as we stand before the bema seat of Christ, the wood, the hay, the stubble, the fine gold, the silver will be put in a furnace and what is left and remains will be our reward. And so, I am a firm believer that it is not talking about losing our salvation, but losing rewards that He wanted to give us. But because of our unfaithfulness and denials, we lost them. The third, however, brings comfort to the soul. Because regardless of what we may do, Christ remains faithful. Because He cannot deny Himself. Christ is faithful. Need to, need to be able to grab a hold of that. And He has always been faithful. He's been he's faithful to the Father in His mission to bring, to bring an end to the law and bring in the new covenant. And so to summarize, we should be, made, we should be motivated to endure. Why? Because our strength to endure flows from the faithfulness of our triune God. You know, it is possible for you to say at this point, this is all well and good, Sam. You may have answered these questions as to the reason, the object, the scope, the motivation as to why we should endure. But how do we do it? I mean, let's put some apples in there and how do we do it? Or rubber to the road? Well, I'm going to take a page from Greg's sermon this morning because I think and believe that Greg answered this question quite well the how is through through prayer and obedience which comes by abiding in the vine and being pruned so we can be fruitful so beloved and you are my beloved brothers and sisters I trust you have been encouraged by these truths and at the end of the day 
you will be able to lift up your voices and sing to the praises of God in just a little while when we sing that great hymn, Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's pray. Mighty God and Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Because you have remained faithful, you have put in our hearts desire to be faithful to you also. We know that we're going to stumble. We know we're going to get a little dirty. We know we're going to get pruned. But Father, I would rather you wash my feet, prune and get rid of the deadness of my branch that I might be used of you and that in being used of you I be a faithful servant and my prayer is for my for our people to be the same in Christ amen <laughs>